All right, so this is the Between the Lines podcast. I think it's our third one, eh, Holly? That is correct, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's been a long time, probably about three months, right, since we've done a podcast at the very least, if not longer than that, since we did the Our last, last one. one was the uh, SA Fighting COVID podcast, um, but that was kind of an interim difference our usual style. Yeah, that was much more of an informational kind of dump and, and, and uh, keeping whoever cares up to date with what's been happening within Hayfordly Software. So this one kind of, I'm hoping to bring it while the format is still slightly different to, to every one we've done, or the first, only the first one. It's different to the format that we hope to have going forward if the world ever gets back to normal and we can yeah. see each other in physical, uh, physical person again. Um, but for this one, we brought in a fairly large group of people. So hopefully this goes goes okay and uh, there's not too much awkwardness and embarrassment that we have to kind of answer questions to the greater company or whoever's listening but today we're talking about progression right so and specifically career growth and the frameworks therein and, and what we can do as an industry and what what the problems we kind of face as a software company in making sure that our skilled individuals have a path forward and a clear way to get there right and I'd like to hear from all of the people here. We'll get to who all of you are in just a moment uh, about your experiences and 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 where you think the problems are. And what are the things that you think the industry should be focusing on to to get this right? Right? And and can it be can it be righted? Like, is there a right way to do this? I don't know. So we'll have a we'll have a chat around that, and hopefully we'll get some insights from everybody. Um, Holly, do you want to do some intros? So obviously you know Holly and I. Hopefully. Um, we're just uh, two dudes that are pointing fingers at people, and hopefully they will they will uh, you know wake up and take the prompt and and yeah. and have a conversation with us. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So um, maybe for context, guy, just mention your current uh, your current role and maybe your years of experience, as we are trying to have a spectrum here. Sure. Okay. So right now, my current role is technical director at Hayfordly Software. My background is software development. So I'm a I'm a ex squiggly bracer, a recovering squiggly bracer, and I've been doing this for probably about 14, 15 years, something like that. So I've got uh, I've got experience across the spectrum in the software business from from being a scrum master at one stage in my life to being uh, obviously a software developer and now looking after uh, the technical direction of the business in general and having my finger in a whole bunch of pies regarding administration and management and progression and a whole bunch of other things in between. So that's me. Cool. Um, yeah, myself, I'm currently a senior software developer. I'm focused mainly on the front end side of things. I've been in the, the game for about uh, four years um, worked at one or two uh, other companies. Um, so that's kind of where I'm going to be uh, be drawing from. Um, Ashley, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, I will I will hold it strong with the woman here, seeing as I'm the only one <laughs> in this chat today. Um, Quite simple. But yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah, so I am Ashley, as Holly said, and I have worked at Hayfully for just over a year now. Uh, my background is very interesting. 
um, so I had not, I did not study anything to do with IT or technology. Um, I actually studied food science and decided to have a quarter life crisis and completely <laughs> changed careers. So um, yeah, so I've been working at Hayfree for a year. Absolutely love my job, and I'm a business analyst. And yeah, that's me. Nice to meet you. Ashley. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks for Ash. Uh, Johan, you want to explain what your role is, why you're here? Yo, that's a long question. It will take me a couple of hours to explain that. Could, could we just get his title correct, Harley? It's Um Yuan. Yeah. Uh, my apologies. It's Um Yuan. Um, I've been a full-time software developer since I've been 18 years old. I've, that Unfortunately, that means that I've got about 17 years of experience now. Uh, 16, almost 17 years of experience. So I've been doing the, the coding thing for quite a bit. Most of my career just in software dev within the .NET stack, uh, trying to stay away from any hardware. Uh, I know where my capabilities are and where my skills stop. Um, but I love doing integration with third-party software and those type of things. Most of my career has been spent in uh, product development, so I know a, a lot about companies working for in-house product development, working with, as a contractor also, uh, linking systems together and so forth, but in terms of like .NET and everything, many, many years of experience. Awesome. Thanks, Johan. Um, to follow that up, Rian, you want to give yes. us your story? So I started writing software in 1985. Um, my first program saved on a, on a cassette tape deck on a TV. Um, <laughs> And I wanted to, to just quickly share a quick story. Um, my first sort of career thing that I did was in 1998. Um, I was in Sub B. I think that's grade two for you non, non uh, old people. <laughs> um, and uh, I decided this school thing is really not working out for me. And um, I wasn't very chuffed with it. So uh, I went to my dad's work and I got an um, uh, application form. And I filled it in in a sub B handwriting, and uh, he was gracious enough to actually accept this application. Obviously, he didn't submit it through the rest of the process. But now the next step was to actually now resign from the school business, which I didn't like. Um, so I wrote up a resignation letter, and um, I went to the principal. Um, as a the, the poor receptionist didn't know what to make of this, this little kid standing in front of her saying that he wants to resign. Um, and then I had to walk in front of the whole entire Standard 5 class and present this letter to him. And I was like, uh, sir, I'm done with school. Here's my resignation letter. <laughs> and um, luckily that was a failure. So unfortunately I had to finish the whole bloody 12 years. <laughs> Sorry about that, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was my first career step that I tried. Um, it didn't work out. So I, but I think that was maybe for the better. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Progression's a problem. Affects <laughs> <laughs> all ages. Thanks for sharing that, Rian. Um, Jonathan, why are you yeah. here? I um, I don't know why I'm here, but I'm here. Um, I've... Yeah, what are you here for? Actually? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't I yeah, say Jonathan I... Farmer, Polly? Ah, uh, sorry. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Cheers, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Jonathan. Yeah, I, I've been at Hayfleet for about uh, two years now. Uh, I'm an intermediate software developer, um, and uh, I've been doing software development for probably about four years now. 
actually studied with Harley, so we've kind of kind of followed along the same path. So yeah, that's me. Cool. Nice. And then um, last but not least, Alan. Who who are you? you there seems to be a your, your surname seems familiar. Seems awfully familiar. Uh, yeah, Alan Hayfley, um Yeah, MD um, at Hayfley Software. Sure, I yeah, ex dev as well, somewhat recovering. I've my, my progression, I suppose, hasn't been overly corporate. I've maybe had only really one job where I was employed, not overly corporate either. So I started life as a junior dev after studying at UCT. Um, through that journey, I suppose I was a junior dev, intermediate dev, senior dev. Played architect for a very short time. Uh, shifted to the UK. Played junior BA, intermediate BA, senior BA. Then somewhere along the line, became technical director of that company, and then along the way, set up Payfi Software. So I've kind of done a traverse through a couple of the roles and have progressed in, I'd say, a rather unorthodox way. So I suppose I'm probably here to, yeah, uh, to weigh in on some of the challenges of Payfi Software. No, I'm I'm thinking more like we're going to talk about our, our past experiences with basically means in like five years from now considering a podcast you're going to be ripping off me <laughs> but um For yeah sure. that's me cool so to set the stage what we're hoping to achieve with this is to kind of just get some background from everybody and 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 uh talk about what we hate about the progression process right so what 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 we found to be the most pointless parts of it and and what we thought could be better right and and the hope here is that in a in potentially it depends how long this this uh this goes maybe we can get into how we currently do it within hayfully software but i think the view right now is to let's get some background right let's talk about let's talk about the the idea of career progression in general within a knowledge worker in and more specifically um software development consultancy environment right because it's because our business is different to another business where you have software developers as well right let's say if we had a, a pick and pay who has internally they've got a contingent of developers their progression would look a lot different to how we would right so we have a very specific challenge in a consulting environment and and all of us uh, at least most of us have been in in other consultancies or businesses similar to consultancies so we have uh basic understanding of how it works in general but i'd love to hear like your stories like how it started and um holly maybe you want to you want to start us off what's what what was your your progression like sure um so yeah i've been at hayfetty for three years um the year before uh, was my only other job in the the software industry and that was um similar yet different in terms of that they had various teams that would work on different projects but it wasn't consulting it was a whole bunch of uh, consumer facing ideas that the company came up with and then you know took to the public um and the company was very interesting it was i think the average age was around 22 so it was a bunch of very very young people um trying to trying to figure things out and that was the the developers and the BAs and the QAs were all young, but also the management team was uh, pretty young, and I felt like they never kind of found their footing. Um, so I was there for a year, and after a year, I was already one of the most knowledgeable people there, which for me was a bit of a flag. Um, and 
there was no form of progression uh through that they were there they said they had a flat structure so i was like okay cool so they had the the seniors and the architects um having the same title just software developer and then the juniors and like so on were also just software developers but there was no metric um raises were just kind of seemed to be handed out in my opinion it was if you if you worked a couple of late nights trying to reach unrealistic deadlines that was like okay cool good job thanks here here's a raise but there was never any yeah. form of um a way to quantify it there was no real comparison between your skill set and someone else's skill sets um and yeah. i remember the, the the biggest thing for me and probably one of the driving factors for why uh, i got out so fast was that they they being young and edgy and trying to have like the i don't know the the google atmosphere they were like okay cool so we're flat but we want to introduce a star wars themed uh, structure where our, our top guys will be known as uh jedi masters or something like that and then the seniors are going to be uh padawans and then you're going to have stormtroopers and all of that stuff star wars that's a problem that's a massive problem well that would be a problem for me (laughs) but yeah for me them trying to say that uh they were uh flats yet now handling out labels masks yeah 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 um so that that was my previous experience. I'd, I'd, uh, I'd interest Harley. How yeah. many how many guys were in that company again? Uh, it was around fifty. Um, around fifty, I'd probably say about twenty-five to thirty were devs. Um, right. And yeah, like I said, the process was was immature and they hadn't quite figured it out. So I was there for a year, and I I, I saw about sixteen devs come in and out of the door in that time. Um, so yeah, progression is an important thing because also people didn't know, which is one of the things I was struggling with. I didn't know what the next steps were. Guys that had, um, a couple of years more experience with me had had the same title and we were all sharing the same responsibilities. And maybe to me, that structure didn't exactly make, uh, make sense for how I wanted to approach things or how I saw that what I, maybe I thought the industry should be. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, that was my one year experience outside of pay Philly. Sure. You yeah. know, I think I think the concept of a flat structure is cool and all right, but I don't know if it scales so well to a larger organization. Right? And, and, and another thing that I think personally might be a struggle of a flat structure is is um, um, if you don't know everybody that's working around you, if you can't see the merits in what they do, it creates that ambiguity that you were speaking about. Like, how do I? Yeah. How do? Because if you see somebody, if you see somebody promoted, you can't immediately say, "Oh, well, that's deserving." You know, that individual they work the way that I expect them at that level to work. Then, and if nobody, if 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 everybody doesn't have that same perception of that individual, then then it becomes very difficult to justify yeah. um, in a flatter environment, right? Because there's no clear path. And, and I hear you; it's it, for sure. It'd be interesting um, to hear the parallel. To, yeah, I was going to say to Jonathan because Jonathan came from like a very corporate structure so it'd be yes. cool to hear yeah so where i came from before i'd worked for about two years um very similar to what we do at hayfully um being contractors um except it was more we were put on site of our clients and we worked there permanently um never working at our actual company's offices um but right. 
as a statement in terms of how progression was there i don't know how it was there um which is yeah it's kind of like um i was told by a lot of people if you wanted to progress the only way to progress was to leave um they would kind of look at every year um around about financial year end um progression in itself uh if you've done Mm -hmm. well and the only way to determine if whether you've done well was whether your lead would say that you've done well, which kind of plays into favoritism and things along those lines. Um, so it was sure. very, it was very difficult for certain people within that organization to to kind of follow a progression yeah. path and be promoted into places where they actually want to achieve. I knew people that were sitting in intermediate roles for like six, seven years, uh, and came in as that and never never moved up. Um, mm. So yeah, it it that's yeah, and my experience, a, and it's a pity because it yeah it just lands up meaning that you, if you don't want to if you want to move forward you have to leave, so it, it lands up creating just uh, progress when there's a flight risk. So it sounds like a bit like Harley's setup as well. It's like in a flat structure, or if you're claiming to be flat structure, there's no real progression path. You're basically just waiting for somebody to threaten to leave, or you and then go oh, okay, throw another five grand at them and see if it stays. But yeah. it's too late by then, in my opinion. But yeah. Yeah, yeah we had- exactly. It's too late by then. Uh, that's a, that is a, that situation you just described, Dylan, is an experience that I had. Right. So you become. Uh, I became despondent at my previous job with 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 how things are working because you also you you, you get you get promotions and you progress, but it, it happens so sporadically and it's so at such random intervals. You kind of have no idea what the metrics are. You don't know what the measurements are. Jonathan alluded to not knowing how this all works. And basically, I just yeah. played out the played out the clock and eventually got promoted. Right. And by the time I was leaving, uh, or I had gotten to the point where I was leaving the company, um, the conversation turned to, okay, well, what can we do to keep you? So would you accept this? What about this? Here's a role change. Yeah. We'd put you yeah. in this position. And by that time, in my mind, at least, it was, well, if that was on the table, why did I have to threaten to leave before the offer came out and about, right? So by that yeah. point, the, the loyalty has gone and you kind of go, well, uh, if I if I were to accept this 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 position and, and, and stay here, then it's a matter of time before I leave anyway. So let's just stop wasting each other's time and I'm going to move on and hopefully progress better in the next role. Right. And yeah, I think it's not an uncommon path that a lot of people take in their careers. And specifically, yeah. I think it's a well-known thing that you you progress by leaving can go leaps and bounds in your in your career by jumping ship and it's a it's sort of like an unwritten common thing that happens yeah yeah i've yeah. heard quite a few people speak about like a glass ceiling like it's it's invisible and no one knows about it but for some reason as soon as you step away and you go to a different company um they give you that opportunity that your current employer didn't necessarily want to give you um, so yeah. I was fortunate not not really to to experience that myself, but yeah, speaking to friends, speaking to colleagues, you hear those stories way too often. And I, I also think just to, on a personal level, to sort of get over that anxiety to write your resignation letter, to go through interviews, to prove that you're good enough, and then only to hear from your company like, why didn't you come to us sooner or whatever. It's like, but why is it my responsibility to tell you to look after me and 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 to promote me like? If I'm doing a good job and I'm meeting all these metrics, why do I then? Why 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 is it only within a one-sided street? Why don't you come from your side as well and say like, 
we see yeah. the good work that you're putting and these are the seven steps to get you to where you want to be within the next three years or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And and the irony, I had this conversation with Ali the other day, the irony is at the point that you're interviewing, improving yourself, you're effectively, let's say you're a you know, strong intermediate and you feel that you're ready to lead a team or be a senior. The fact that you have to leave and go to somebody who doesn't know you at a company that you've not worked at with peers that you don't know, that they have to assess you and they go, okay, I'm reading your CV. I'm seeing some strength here. I think, I think you're ready for your first senior gig. You're relying on a complete stranger to make that leap of faith, to give you that like benefit of the doubt and take a chance on you. I mean, technically the company that you've been at for two years, three years, four years, they sure as hell should know that you're capable and ready. So it's like technically the place where you are should be able to assess you and, and be able to determine full well if you're capable of doing it. So it's just like a real shame that it's like a complete stranger has to be the one to take a chance. Okay, and it's it's different if the person is well equipped and then then you kick yourself because you've lost the person. It's another thing, I guess, if the, if you know you've got dead wood in a company and actually you're not progressing for a reason. Okay, then sure, then you probably do need to leave to get that increase because you're relying on a stranger to take a chance on you and they they take in that chance. But in a place where there's competence all over and you've got a solid group of developers, technically, if them leaving, it, it's just like oh, it's just like a real shame you know because why should a stranger be the one taking a chance on you if you're competent and you know what you're doing it's like oh, it's just so defeated there was something that, that johan mentioned that i'd like to come back to in a minute once you've heard from um, ashley and, and yeah. rian but if you can just remind me if we if we forget is the responsibility who takes ownership of somebody's progression that's an interesting conversation right? does what role does the individual play in their own in their own um motivation to progress versus yeah. their management or their their immediate uh, superiors in in making that happen on their behalf right so that that's something i'd like yeah. to explore further with the group uh but before we do that um ash what's what's your experience like in in the previous world of food science well i was actually going to give a different spin on the progression because i think that the tech industry is one of the one of the very few industries that are actually keen to take on people with like very little experience or no degree. Um, like I think there are a lot of industries, for example, like engineering, or I can even talk about food science where you are not going to get a job in that industry unless you have some kind of BTEC or BSc. Um, and what I think was so amazing was um, there is there is so much content and learning out there for like tech and IT um, that it takes a little bit of enthusiasm and a little bit of um, interest on the individual's part yeah. and you'll get the interview and I think that's exactly what happened with me. Um, I mean I have I had I, I, did, I did a course at, Get Smart, at UCT, Get Smarter, um, in business analysis and I think Alan must have thought I was completely insane but maybe he saw my enthusiasm for um, like the job and the role and I think essentially that's got a lot to do with like progression as well and actually getting the job. Um, sure. Yeah, I think there's like there's a lot of positive things to say about um, progression and, and our industry as well. Yes, I think it's difficult once you like in in the deep of it to like kind of progress but getting your foot in the door is not as um, overwhelming and scary as what people make it out to be. And I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people about how they feel the industry is actually moving away from BSc and these like sort of, I don't know, you have to have done your 
technical degree in computer science sure. um, and moving more towards like Microsoft and, and things like that. So, yeah, yeah. putting yeah. your foot uh, in the door uh, is easier. Ash, if you can just restrain your 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 positivity for a bit, we're on a pretty negative topic right now, and I'd like to. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I also I also just want to touch on something else Ashley mentioned. Uh, Ash, it's not only in the beginning that we thought you were crazy, huh? Yeah. That, 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 oh, that, that feeling still resonates. Keep your guys' yeah. lives interesting, okay? Um, <laughs> yeah. What I, I also wanted to add about uh, maybe maybe guys already have thought this through but like the qualifications for our industry have become less and less important um, at least as an entry-level uh, baseline uh, over the last sort of 10 years right? I would say that in in my experience the qualification right now at an intern on a junior level basically indicates to me that you're capable of following through with some level of diligence to get something done right it's almost like a a dedication metric as opposed to a uh, ability metric because by the time you finish university and the things you've learned there you've got this basic and yeah it's changed effectively yeah. what you do and in, I, I in software engineering now is is definitely yeah. not what they teach you yeah. yeah i think the speed well the speed of change and the access to you know the likes of plural site and that world the the num i mean can't remember who which uh, which research or study it was but like the number one tell for success is actually just conscientiousness and dedication it's right. it's which yeah going back to Ashley is what was present in the interview regardless of food science or business analysis right it's conscientiousness and diligence finishing what you start and that's actually the number it's like one of the only factors that determine success and, and not just in IT but like in in a right. realm of, of professional service stuff. right and I could probably you could probably argue that general intelligence factors in as well so are you are you are you I can yeah generally intelligent and you can follow through with with stuff and you're and you're dedicated um rian uh if you can fit your story into less than an hour that'd be great <laughs> yeah uh i mean my my first job was a petrol attendant so um i've really had to fight hard to actually get through it but um it showed me is that um is the experience that you have and the and the willingness that you have if you can show people if you can get that interview and you can show them that you're willing to work and you're willing to do your part people are generally very open to actually giving you a chance um, that was my experience um, and I, I think it's very difficult for people to promote other people um, because you need to be brave is when somebody's coming to you and they're saying to you is like i'm an intermediate but i think that i can lead a group of people is you need to be incredibly brave to say to that person is like you know what i think you're right i'm going to give you a chance and the sad reality of it is i don't think we have a lot of brave people in our industry is the fact that we have people that need to actually resign and go to another company shows me that we don't have the brave people and that we don't foster a community of like failure is good is let's fail let's fix it and let's go forward yeah 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 i can definitely add to that as well uh, Rian. um but guy when we speak about responsibility it will fit in here quite well as uh, yeah let's do that now so yeah. the, i think the question to frame the question if, if i can put it succinctly is whose responsibility is my progression 
right? How, how much of that sits on me and how much of that sits on my on my boss and, and the HR of my company to make sure that I progress, right? So uh, so in that frame, I think let's let's explore that a bit. Um, Johan, what do you think? Yeah, so so uh, what, what's kind of interesting is what to the point that Rian was making and my, my thoughts are the following. So like, it's definitely like a mentality of, of uh, the, the, the owners or your managers within that company that and they play a big role like I've, I've worked in an environment where any developer even the most senior developer within that organization was just seen as a bricklayer so and they would literally refer to them as the bricklayers so like you, with we are building a cathedral but every guy there is just a bricklayer so with that mindset everyone is is obviously replaceable and then you don't mind to to, to build that path with that person uh, in terms of pathing, uh, structuring a path for that person to to progress and to become more important and skill up and and everything that that we would like in a in a, a professional environment. So the mentality of a company definitely plays a big role in that. But on an individual role, on an individual level, you yourself play the the biggest role above anything else. But I don't want to take away from the fact that the the, the the culture of the company plays a massive role in that as well. So, so in my in my world, I've been very blessed that I've worked for companies that that are were working at the company and they and they picked up on my abilities quite quickly and I progressed through through the ranks. But at, at certain points within my career, I landed up at companies where I could pick up quite quickly that that is not how, how things are done here and you can see like the way that they treat the staff is completely different so so in my mind there's yeah. there's a responsibility of the individual to look after yourself by upskilling dabbling in a new in new streams that you haven't done before but if you if your mindset as an industry is that the guys are working for you as bricklayers then then you can you can only do so much but if you empower those guys to to go above and beyond and so, sorry Harley if you see all these guys instead of stormtroopers as Jedi masters, they can change the universe. And and I, and I think that is that's basically where the mentality shift should come in. It's 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 like a two-way street. Like you as an individual has to do a lot, but obviously the company should also play a role in terms of like what is what is basically the problem that they want to solve in the world. Yeah. Well, the. I mean, uh, the problem that, that we face, and it was also a bit in, in my progression, is what lands up happening though, is you, it's, it's a quite an easy way to get um, a consistency and inconsistency then in the progression because because it is this mixture of the company's need to progress the person and as well as the person's individual personality. So if you get a room full of extroverts yeah. who are really ambitious and talented, you will get one result. If you have a group of introverts, you can probably get away with not not progressing them a whole lot and it'll be fine. So I think, I mean, you're totally right. The company culture plays a part and and, and the person's personality. But what's what I've seen with us, and I saw it in their last company, I was quite ambitious and forward and, and sort of extrovert in, in my expectations on myself. So it kind of, I suppose I was posing as a flight risk every six months so that implicitly was producing this progression but to other people that were more introverted that didn't want to put up their hand and those conversations weren't happening and they weren't really flight risk people because they were quite introverted and then they land up actually stagnating and staying in the same place for five years I and mean, you can take a you could take a cynical view that well that company was 
it's a, not a consultancy, so it's actually in their best interest for the person not to progress because they're doing a good job on day one. They don't really need to get a whole lot better. In fact, if they do progress, you just have to pay them more and your service, you know, then all, all you're doing is increasing your cost base. So introverts are great, you know, if that's your model. But if your model is, let's say the, the model of our company is as a consultancy where you've got to be on your game all the time, then you, if you have extroverts, then it kind of helps, it helps the process. But you can have really exceptional introverts. You're just going to create a problem if you don't progress them as well. So you land up having this balancing act where you can't just say, oh, it's on the individual. And that's, that works great for the extroverts, but it doesn't work for the introverts. And all that happens is all the introverts leave because they don't talk and they bottle it up. They don't progress. And then you fall back on, oh, well, I'm not responsible for your career. But yeah, so it's hard. So I find like you almost have to have a different metric based on the personality types. So for the extroverts, you can kind of let them be because they will self-perpetuate their own progression. But the introverts will leave if you don't uh, sort of act on their benefit and behalf as well sure. to balance those scales. Yeah. Alan, do you think that's that is a major function of the corporate culture, right? So in other words, the, the what you what you have defined hey for the software to be in your mind versus what what the culture actually is as a function of the structure. Do you think that is going to feed into people's uh, ability to to progress in the sense that those introverts know that the culture of the company is one where I will be promoted because of my merits and what I'm able to do and I know that my career is going to be in, in safe hands versus if the culture was slightly different and it was maybe one like some of the the experiences relayed prior that you're just not going to know and if you keep your mouth shut the company's going to completely take advantage of you and you're going to sit in this position for six years and you know what that's great because i like paying you as little as i possibly can and i like and and and, and that makes sense right so mm-hmm. i think it's look, largely it's largely a cultural problem if, if you if you look at it through that lens yeah look and, I, and i'm pretty sure there are some corporates where you know the managers have kpis to keep the costs as low as possible so that means keeping the increases as low as possible which means setting expectations as low as possible yeah so there's a certain model to that i i, I do think and it's a large part of my my thinking and in, in, in what we're trying to create in hayfully is it shouldn't matter if you're an extrovert or an introvert if you are diligent and are uh, continually willing to learn and stretch yourself then you will progress the same as anybody else, right? That 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 is the goal. I I don't think we've perfected it yet, but I, I don't think it's fair that you land up where a a talented introvert leaves because uh, and then and the talented extroverts uh, stay because they're the only ones that progress. Like I don't, they are, I mean, in a large amount of our structure, and maybe we'll get to this in the, in the next podcast. A large amount of the thinking behind how we've structured our mentors and our progressions and and are the kinds of culture and conversations we want to have is so that doesn't happen because sometimes it's the introverts look I mean obviously this uh, you could argue in IT there's more introverts than extroverts right but if you just go on on straight stats which means the introverts are naturally not putting up their hands and saying look how good I am please can have some more money so if the majority of the introverts and the majority of the talent are introverts that means the majority are going to leave if they're not somewhat led and mentored almost on their behalf. Look, you don't want to completely spoon feed them either, right? Because there's, there's, there's a lot to be said for taking initiative and dedication and, you know, putting up your hand. 
but just know the introvert is putting up their hands in other ways. You know, they they're not jumping up and down and being all extrovert about it. They they they're doing it in other ways. But you got to you got to spot that as well. I think, and that is the job of the leader. I think, and the team leads, and you know, not to leave the introvert to a talented behind. Yeah, right. I think Absolutely. that that actually like speaks a lot to um, this idea of having mentors in your professional career, um, because naturally we all um, you kind of like will bond or create better relationships with certain people in the in the company, um, and that speaks to any kind of person. I mean, no one's expected to get along with everyone, but there are definitely people in your team that you get along with better, um, and that would maybe mm. be more invested in your own personal. Um, progression and and I think those are the kind of people that you need to be like um, like rallying for you in your progression because they're the ones who are working with you on a daily basis and I think sometimes in like very um, sort of like hierarch hierarchical how do you say it? Hier- hierarchical whatever <laughs> structures um, it kind of always seems to be like you know this big boss that kind of manages a whole lot of people and kind of isn't actively involved in your everyday life who's giving an opinion on whether you should progress or not and not actually the person that you sit and stand up with every single day who's going cool thank you Ashley like thank you for like solving that problem I see how you handled that and like I acknowledge yeah. that and I'm gonna like bring that forward in your progression and yeah, I think it's really important to have those people in your in your corner when you have a progression meeting. And yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Like, that yeah. sort of talks to how, how we currently do it, and I think we'll probably explore it more in the next in the next uh, podcast. But in general, uh, if we could segue over to the mentorship side of things, that that that's absolutely true. I can I can speak from my personal experience that the the key points in my career where I have I have felt the most valuable is when I have a good mentor who is showing who's showing interest in my career and is able to offer insightful guidance, right? So regardless of who my manager is, what the project is, who I have in my team with me, if I have a mentor that's around looking after or able to answer questions, at least having some sort of interest in my career, it's been invaluable. That's where you grow the most. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, from, sorry, Adam, uh, from my perspective, perfect. having recently gone through our own internal uh, form of progression without touching on that, um, I definitely, it wouldn't have been as uh, successful if I hadn't had months of time where I was leaning on uh, people that I regard as mentors on both personal uh, capacity and professional capacity. And that's kind of what I felt like I was missing in my my previous companies that from my perspective, I was like, there aren't many seniors here. So how am I going to learn to be a better coder? Little did I know that that was very much not as big of a factor. in terms of uh, a healthy career in more so learning how to deal with people and deal with problems um, and kind of learning the, the the business side of things besides just the code. I think that's what mentors um, really help with. And everyone yeah. that everyone seems to have a mentor. It's kind of like a, a skipping stone that when I, when I chat to my mentors, they're like, yeah, so my mentor was this person. I was like, okay, cool. So th- there, there's yeah. a trend here in people that at least I regard as having done really well. And that kind of seems to be a common uh, theme regardless of how that plays a factor in progression. Yeah, well, if you if you look at some of the, uh, if, we, if we take some of the other themes that we were chatting about the frustrations of our past lives, right? If we're talking about the progressions like not consistent and it's not transparent or the people who are uh, 
extroverted, kind of are getting further. Yeah, the visibility issues. Um, a, a lot of that goes away. Well, a lot of that is uh, paralleled with mentors, right? Because generally the more extroverted people are probably the ones seeking mentors or having more conversations and are getting on, you know, have, having more active conversations. So they're more likely to bump into somebody that likes them and kind of takes them into the wing. The more, more introverted people are not seeking out mentors or maybe don't appreciate the value of them or they appreciate the value, but they can't, they can't get the mentor's attention, right? So, yeah, I remember it being a, an aha moment for me about four, five, four years ago now of we were interviewing and I would ask, can you tell me a bit about your mentors? And you would get the group of people that go, oh, there was this guy, Peter, and they know his first name and his surname and they knew who his wife's name was and there's this excitement about this guy or this girl that was uh, mentoring them through something in this job. You can, like, instant hire, right? Because they, they were mentored, one. They've got the value of the mentoring, and they still remember that person's name. Like, got it. Another group of people, no, not really. You know, they talk more negative about that place they were at with this dude who was more like a manager, and this one is a bit of an idiot, and this one was a bit incompetent, and, you know, there's no mentor, right? Generally, not going to make it. And if you if you think, if there's mentors in play, generally you'll get a more consistent um, result. But the problem is in companies, not everybody gets a mentor. It's only those that get it and seek it out. And then all of a sudden, oh, look at that, they progress. And those that don't have a mentor don't, um, which is obviously uh, leads to uh, our focus around rise and not forced mentorship, but encouraged mentors. So even those that are, are uh, introverts, are recommended to find a, a mentor or two, or, or yeah, yeah just, to, just to facilitate that. And, and it's important for, for me at, at any rate that I choose my own mentors, right? So that's, that's almost more important than having a mentor at all. Because if I've got somebody imposed upon me as this is your mentor, go off and learn from this person. Uh, I'm going to rebel against that and say, who's this person? I don't know them. I don't trust them. I don't feel they're qualified to help me, whatever. And you may feel so, but this is, this is, so a mentor is a very personal relationship, right? And, it, and I think yeah. it should, and you mentioned knowing his wife and kid and dog's name. That's important, right? So the, 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 the mentor should be considered, uh, like a friend. It should be somebody you trust like a friend because you know that this person is going to have your career in their hands and they're going to be giving you the best advice possible for your own future growth. I think that individual is vital in, in that role. And it shouldn't be somebody who's just been mandated because you're paying them to be your mentor. Yeah, because then that might as well be your line manager. Line managers exactly. are the people who are allocated. And there's also something quite uh, nuanced that if a person gets to choose their own mentor, so the mentee gets to choose the mentor, what that means to the mentor is that they've been chosen. That's quite a flattering vote of confidence that is different if someone is told. If I'm like, okay, uh, Ashley, you're going to get mentored by Rian. And it's like, uh, okay. It's different if Ashley in her own time and energy goes, Rian, I, would, I really would like you to mentor me. Rian will respond very differently. That's, and yeah. that's the shit you can't recreate. You know, you can't, you can't force that. The thing is, Alan, I think also sometimes what we make a mistake with is we think that because we're in IT and because we're in technology, is all our things is, is around technology. We make decisions based on people's careers. We make progression decisions from an Excel spreadsheet. Is um, There's a reason why um, stonemasons 
had a mentorship program from the middle ages is mm-hmm. even yeah. though we are in, in in tech is the, the how we apply our tech is a social construct is it's, it's a social interaction and i think that's one of the things that i've made peace with is is a while back is thinking that i can go to tech to hide from people is is um yeah. limiting yourself you should find the right people around you that you feel that you can trust um, and you can move forward with them but ultimately software development is a social activity and and we should never forget that yeah 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 for sure i mean it's it's it talks to um, some of the other stuff that we talked about before and actually one of our earlier blog posts about the similarities in software development to to creative arts and painting and writing and sculpting and glass blowing right we we don't give it as much creative credit as we should and if you look at those if you look at a group of sculptors or graffiti artists or freaking potters you if you ask them what is it that is going to make you progress what does progression look like for a glass blower it's mentorship learning and rubbing shoulders with people who are 10 20 years their senior blowing glass and there's a place where they can experiment and mess around mm-hmm. you 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 yeah yeah i don't think we give uh, software development as much creative uh, yeah credit as we should yeah i Do want it. to hear I was going to say, I want to hear from like more some of the senior guys, because um, I know in our company we have a lot of young, like young guys, or like in between the ages of like what, like eight? No, I was going to say eighteen, but that's a bit too young. But like between the age of twenty and thirty, who are like absolutely killing it at li- at life and at work, um, and they have like progressed super quickly. Um, they've just like been super keen to learn um, and how does that make you feel um, being someone who's been in the industry for so long and you know maybe it's taken you like 20 years to progress to a senior dev and here you are looking at like someone who's taken a couple a couple like maybe a quarter of the time um, does that make you feel like threatened does it make you feel excited because um, I think that's also an interesting conversation I love it Ashley um it is really it is epic to see um younger people learning the stuff and being able to say is like you know what i'm not going to be able to teach or i'm not going to be lear- be able to learn something as quickly as you but while you're learning this thing instead of doing this thing completely like this direction why don't you just shift it five degrees to the left and and having that sort of um influence on somebody where you can see not only that you have the influence but that in 10 steps from now in 6 months from now you suddenly see them blossom into this own individual and and see them accomplish a lot of things is that is that is one of the most rewarding things in in my career that I've done is yes it's really nice to launch a website but seeing somebody grow from somebody that was a timid intermediate developer to somebody blossoming as a tech lead that's leading a group of group of people is is super awesome and it's we we here to get a job done um and the more i can empower people around me to help me carry the load the less load i have to carry yeah and to to add to that i yeah. I, i hold the opinion quite strongly that seniority is not a function of age or years right it's a function of responsibility and capability <laughs> Yeah, and this is probably a big a big challenge in the industry, right? Because 
it is generally just linked to quantity of experience, sure. not necessarily the quality of experience. Where it'll be, oh, have you been doing a dev for eight years? Okay, salary equals. Are you being a dev for 12 years? Okay, salary equals. So then, yeah, you are going to get frustrations where somebody's walking around as a senior dev and they're 24. Um, that is hard, and and there will be there is going to be uh, there'll be some level of friction and different pockets of the industry that are will disagree. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm of the same view. It, look, it, it's different, and I would probably feel different if I bumped into a 24 year old who didn't know what a design pattern was or who had never written a unit test in his life. Okay, then somebody's messed up along the way because they shouldn't be walking around with a senior title and the salary to match. But it's different. If you're in our environment and there's people that you've been working with and mentoring and before their 26th birthday, they're, they're rocking some impressive quality of experience, not quantity. That is partly because of, of the company and the clients and, and the, the, the vehicle that you're in. It's a massive sense of gratitude. And partly it's living vicariously, right? Because I'm sure each of us would have been like, well, if I had a company like this when I was 24, I could have also smacked it and I would have also been earning that at 28. Obviously we didn't because we had to work in, you know, shitty corporates and blah, 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 right? But um, so I think there's an element of living vicariously that we're quite chuffed that we've been able to do better than our predecessors in terms of mentoring and leading. I think that's where the reward comes from. It's going like, awesome. I did better than the guy that mentored me. Well, awesome, I did better than the two bosses I have. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, don't don't expect me to be happy about another guy who's earning the same thing who doesn't know how to write a unit test. <laughs> then we all have a different opinion, I'm sure. Yeah, and and ultimately those individuals get get highlighted and weeded out in a healthy system, right? Very quickly, right? So if you've got a team of engineers or, or professionals in our case that that are are highly motivated to keep each other honest, right? And and that's that's an ideal that we should we strive for as Hayfully and within all of our teams and I think is in general a, a mechanism to weed out those individuals who are not worthy of the titles and the and the responsibility that they've been given right and it happens quickly you'll get somebody in and and or they'll talk a big game and and you'll know this person just doesn't have the chops for this role right and they'll 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 be identified quickly and that will change they'll either leave or um they'll move on right uh in another mechanism and i think it's a sign of a healthy organization that that function exists for individuals to be weeded out that are not not the same you think of a kid's toy like which one doesn't fit you'll immediately figure or a kid's uh, puzzle you'll see animals and which one's not an animal you'll know fairly quickly right? and the same goes here if the quality and the standard in the organization is well understood amongst those in it and, um, and look i think that's uniquely a challenge or uniquely the case for a consulting company right where you're moving from job to job to job i think it's different it may not be the goals in in, in all sort of it environments where you maybe don't want that level of ambition and striving for the next level um but yeah certainly is the case for us yeah i'd like so, to just give the 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 other side of that uh coin with the kind of the acceleration of if this person did something in x amount of years and they're training this person the goal is that this person can do it in x minus two or something like that and that kind of process because i feel like my uh failing upwards is how i phrase it um has been a result of other people been in the the worst crappy situations and being able to like i feel especially with uh guy and rian just like knocking me uh 
like on the right path type thing. Um, but a, a big thing that I struggled with, and I, I have spoke to some of you about this, is that while that is always the goal, is that uh, anyone that you're mentoring, you want to get better if you're a decent person to get better as quickly as possible. Um, but it's it's very it's still very daunting being in that position being the, the kind of the opposite of you guys of the the company of our size as soon as you get more than say 10 people only a couple of people are going to know the legitimacy of that that person um or is it is it favoritism and the age-old you know time equals talent and yeah i think that's something that a lot of people uh struggle with and I definitely have struggled with that because then it's it's added yeah. pressure. 100%. So let's talk about progress. what's easy. Right? So what's easy in a big company is to say, uh, okay, Harley, you've been with us three years. You're now an intermediate dev. Okay, Harley, another two years later, you've been here five years. Okay, now you're an entry senior dev. All right, Harley, you've been here 10 years. Okay, now you're a team lead. That's easy. You can do that, yeah. right? Yeah. And what eventually happens, Ellen and I were actually talking about this the other day. So like major companies where they don't invest the effort into into progression at all, right? Might go that route. They'll say, right, we're 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 large, we have we have attraction power in the sense that we can we pay well and we've got big clients and we're we're of a sufficient size to have this gravitas where we're pulling uh, talent towards us so we don't have to expend that much energy on progression because if we make a mistake that person's going to go to the worst client we got and they're going to sit in a dark room and eventually they're going to leave and, and if the client complains we will just swap them out for somebody who is who is more qualified to do the job and and it makes it easier for them to make a call on based on years right you say right, i don't care how how good you are you, you're a number, you're a line item on a spreadsheet. You've been here six yeah. years. That means you get X, you get this title. Then that's what happens. And if you're terrible at your job, fine. The client will weed you out. The team will weed you out. And we'll kind of just sideline you, and eventually you might leave. Um, obviously, that's one approach. So that's easy. Um, but we don't want to do easy, right? So easy is wrong. It feels wrong to me. Anyway. <laughs> but in saying that, guy, that actually speaks to the fact that like th that means there's going to be a cap because what about for the what about what about the guys who've been in software development for like 14 years like they are at the top of their little i don't know if, <laughs> what you want to call it like you know where do they go from there and if there's no like bar like there's no excel sheet after that like what motivates them what, yeah, what guys, drives how, them to what gets you out of bed in the morning yeah. <laughs> well, well, okay. This is maybe a good segue where you link progression to to money and salary, right? A, a, a lot of the time, yeah, the motivations might start out, you know, ex, ex, uh, intrinsically intrinsically linked to money, and to be honest, that is is an obvious primary factor, right? And it's partly why you can get away with a flat structure in the beginning and just sort of. It's, it's okay. As soon as there's some kind of a structure, um, your the salary differential uh, comes into play, or it's the salary driver that's a problem, right? Because people, at the end of the day, the employee is also a uh, a son and a, you know a fiance and a husband and whatnot. So the 
the requirements and expectation don't stop and are run at a different pace to their progression. If you're, if you're lucky, they run at the same sort of pace as their progression, in which case you can increase in, as they move life stage. But that the salary uh, curve at a certain point also just breaks out of the mold and it'll, it moves into a salary, a completely different salary bracket where post senior dev architect team lead and beyond um there will be a cap if you remain purely technical i think i think that's probably fair to say if you stay within purely technical realm and you go architect and now now architect with more experience more years more years more years there will be a certain point where it's like okay well you're not you, you are going to hit some sort of a cap you can't just keep earning you'll, you'll be able to move that cap by maybe going to like to be an an architect to a a, a yeah, like a principal lead or principal engineer in a different industry like gambling or financial services or something where they just pay more or go to another country where you can benefit from you know purchasing power and, and forex but yeah i think technically there will be a certain cap um generally the driving force is once you start bringing in leadership and management and where you can now transfer your technical abilities into people management abilities and opening the door to CTO um, and uh, higher levels of of management role. Okay, cool. Then obviously I think salary will unlock again. I think think that's probably true to say, or at least that's what I felt. Uh, To answer question as to what motivates, um, it's always challenge, right? At least I think people of, of the nature that we employ within AFLI, it's it's the challenge most of the time that gets everybody out of the bed, whether you're a junior dev and you're challenged by, you know, that complicated design pattern or like learning CQRS for the first time, or if it's the challenge of now managing a seven-man team or now, okay, managing a team of like three streams. And then those challenges just transfer. I mean, Guy can probably speak to this, but for me, the challenge moved from... Uh, managing one client to managing three clients to building five seven teams to okay looking after 30 people to to looking after 50 people to now the current challenge ahead of us is uh, have five five teams okay yeah okay aside from covid but (laughs) it's, it's to have five teams in five cities like that's a very different challenge it involves all of the previous skills and all of the previous stuff, but it's something that's different, right? So it's still a challenge. It's just maybe changes from being a technical challenge to a slightly different challenge. Yeah. So I think, at, at, Alan, if I can, if I can sum up what you're saying, it's 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 a it's the art of your craft, right? It's that intrinsic motivator. It's that thing that you find internally that's motivating you, as opposed to some salary carrot that's dangling, right? So at, at some point your lifestyle requirements matches your salary and from that point onward that promise of better salary better promotion is sort of meaningless because your lifestyle is supported right so you you kind of your family's looked after you've got enough money to eat and you clothe your kids and send them to school and go on holiday and you can have a car and a house and garage and, and all of these things that sort of support your chosen lifestyle so once you get to that point the extrinsic stuff the Hey man, if you do another couple of hours, here's another grand, or here's another two grand, and, and here's a bonus. Uh, yeah, okay, it's fine, it's great. No one's going to pull their nose up to that stuff, right? 
and the promise of further promotion and all of that. But it's not the thing that is going to motivate individuals past that certain point that Alan was mentioning. And then it becomes more of, okay, so what am I in, right? So what industry am I in? I'm in a, I'm in a creative industry, right? So technically software development is all about creating things, making things. And any artist, quote unquote artist, is proud of their work, right? You, you, I don't think that's a controversial topic. It's a controversial thing to say. So if the point then at that point that motivation then becomes all right i'm going to be the best artist i can be right so i'm going to be the best at what i do or as close to the best as i can get right and i'm going to model myself against mentors this person that person these people right and i'm going to try and get into those circles it's now it becomes a, a professional motivation that's not tied to remuneration or promise of promotion or anything like that and i think all of us are going to get to that point in our careers regardless um if you play your cards right obviously if you don't screw up your career entirely but all of us <laughs> that are, in this business are going to get to that point where the extrinsic motivators aren't going to be aren't going to be something that push you right they, they're, they're going to be nice to have but they're not going to be the thing that makes you happy what, what would be worth trying to spend some time on that i, I i'd like to explore also amongst, amongst the, the, um, this grouping is how progression relates to to this two salary requirement, right? Because, and there there's a loads of different opposing, uh, opposing views. You know, there's the Google approach of just pay the maximum, just just yeah, pay and, well. and yeah, pay disproportionately, don't care. Like it doesn't, there should be no bands, no baseline. You pay what is necessary to get the best talent. Like, so if the person's expectation is ridiculous, then you do ridiculous plus five. Like, and that's, that's like, the current thinking in terms of retaining and maintaining talent. I mean, you're a guy, you're talking about the Netflix model, which is yeah, the Netflix one model, step even to, beyond that. Which yeah, is if, they, if you go to their culture page, they actually state that it's part of their, their culture. Like, we pay the top of market. That's what they say. Right? So they say, if if you're going to leave this company, it is not because you're not earning enough, right? Because they pay top of market. So they'll go, right, if we're hiring a senior dev, they go out and they look at San Francisco's and, top market rate for a senior developer and they pay that out the gate. Everybody yeah. knows. What is interesting in, in the conversation of progression, because um, th that being our topic, they were like, as the person progresses, you move to top of market. So it's not like, well, you know, we'll have this challenge. And look, Netflix is a very different business to ours. I think this is where the challenge of who you work for also matters. And thinking about the, the business model of the company that employs you matters. But um, yeah, starting with them, you could employ somebody and they're a, a junior. I would still like to know how it is that Netflix does it internally within within cross cross promotion. But so yeah, they hire a junior developer. All right, well, top of band is X many thousand dollars a year. Boom, they start on that. If that person then progresses, how the, how are they determining that that person is now an intermediate in order to now pay them at the top of market for an intermediate, right? So there's still that challenge. It's different to say, well, we're hiring a new CTO. Cool. What's top of market for CTOs? Boom, X many million US a year. Okay, done. Like that 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 I can get on board with, yeah. right? Because just trying to compete for the best, so just pay the best. But what do you do about the junior dev or that junior analyst that now thinks they're an intermediate analyst? The Google model would just be, well pay high and pay disproportionate. Don't be afraid to pay disproportionate, which is something that I've yet to reconcile in our business model. I've always tried to reside on the, the 
the thought experiment that if I made a mistake and I dropped everybody's payslips on the floor and everybody could look at everybody's payslips, that everybody would walk away from that going, yeah, that makes sense. So I've sort of had that as like a, as an internal litmus check. But that means I'm not following Google's way of pay disproportionately and yeah. don't be afraid to pay disproportionately. Now, I haven't quite figured that part out. So I'd, I'd like to, and maybe that's a factor of, well, we're a consulting firm. So we also bill out our individuals, right? So the clients, I can't just bill whatever I feel like disproportionately. I have to, I have to use a metric to which the clients are used to. Um, or maybe I don't. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm still in there. But I'd, I'd be keen to hear your guys' views on how you reconcile progression with salary. And yeah, and, and how it worked, how it works at other places. We're talking about progression at other places, but how did how did the salary curve, or how was salary discussed? Uh, yeah, at previous. Yeah, so I'll jump in. Um, so salary is always like. The thing you don't talk about is almost like your uncle in prison, and you're not, <laughs> you're not allowed. How, how did you know? You <laughs> I told you not to talk about it. <laughs> so it's definitely something that that everyone cares about, and everyone wants to know. Like like, yo, if if I'm a junior or an intermediate, and there's a senior, and I see him uh, rolling up with his BMW 5 Series, like, yo, those guys must be making plenty bucks. And then you go for your annual review and you get an increase and you get the title, but your salary is going up by, let's say, 12% from what you were. And you're like, yo, what the hell's happening? Wait, 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 this won't get me into my BMW X5. And and I think that's that's sort of where, where the big thing is, where it's, salaries is, is typically a thing that is very, very personal. And in most companies, they also tell you, like, if you share it, it's disciplinary action. And, and, I, and I think that there's merits within it. Um, but for me, like, I think salaries is a lot more to do with like value. If, if you if you can add value to your company in, in different spheres. So, so there's a technical ability that you bring to the table um, in terms of delivering uh, software to the client. But if you are in, in a senior role and you can mentor guys within your team and you can help spawn off new teams and little mini-me's because of people that that you've influenced and that you've mentored there's a lot of value in that and i think there's a disproportionate um impact that that would have on this individual salary than if then his colleagues sitting next to him that might just be spending out good quality code because there's, there's a different factor in in terms of like your value to the company as well yeah. Um, in, in terms of like how other companies do it and, and how I've seen it like t- t- what's kind of interesting is in, in most companies that I've worked for salaries always happen on a specific day within the year uh, and it's and it normally correlates to the financial year and before like um, let's, let's say it's on the 1st of March so about from the 25th of Feb people are super excited they're looking forward to what's going to happen 28 everyone's sort of looking on auto trader what's new wheels are coming in and then <laughs> on the second as after everyone had their conversations that morning you can just feel like the the smog in the coffee room and everyone feels so depressed because it wasn't what they expected to be and and i think a big portion a big reason for that is because you, you you saw your number on your on 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 your uh, salary increase 
and you think about all the effort that you've put in and you think like, yeah, in my mind, this is at least 10% worth more than what I was last year. And then it ends up being like, let's say you get like an 8% increase. But in your mind, you were, your expectation was completely wrong. But because you don't have like a benchmark to, to, to test it against, I think that's where it becomes yeah. super difficult. But if I can just circle back to, to, to mentors, I think that's where your mentors plays a big role. Like your mentors are important for your technical ability, but in terms of like just like life, career and external things as well. If you have someone in your corner that you can talk about stuff like this and they can put it into perspective, it plays such a massive role in understanding it. And and uh, I, I think it's, it was in my career a lot more difficult uh, when I, so for, for me, if I if I go back to day one in my in my career, um, I, I I started with three grand uh, a month, and my first increase that I got was a 33% increase, and I was like, yeah, this is insane. And then if you equate it to actually rand value, it's a thousand buck increase, and then I'm like, yeah, this doesn't do much in my life. And and the, and as a as a as a young 19 year old yuan, like that didn't make any sense to me. So straight after that, I started looking for a, a different job and I got a job for uh, six grand for doing the ex exact same stuff. So basically, mm. I doubled my salary, although it was small money, but just because of, of the no one was there to under, to explain it to me and, and explain why it's why it's important. Now, I'm not saying like. Uh, don't don't obviously go to a company where you can earn more if your skills within your current organization isn't valued that much. But sure. but it, I think it's also quite important to to understand where the value of your salary comes from, and it's not necessarily just the hours you, that you send in front of the PC. Hundred yeah. percent, man. And I think it 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 alludes to being priced out of your capability, right? As well. So if you if you if you do that, if you realize, okay, you you made the smart move in the sense that you realized that at some point you actually have to buckle down and actually get good at what you do. But there are instances where people are promoted into incompetency, right? So they, they jump so quickly in their careers that they get to a point where their skill set doesn't match their remuneration ask. Right? So by the time they want to move or they, they want to change jobs or go to a different company, their, their lifestyle requirements and the earning requirements are at a certain level, but their skill set is not matching. Right? So, so they eventually either have to stay where they are, they like handcuff themselves to their current employer because they've, they've uh, moved too quickly, or they have to take a step back and, 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 and eat some humble pie and kind of take a salary hit or, or a title hit and actually like move forward. And yeah. that happens a lot, that happens a lot. Yeah, and I think it's part of the inconsistency in, in in the industry because of people progressing based on years alone. So you can have somebody that's got nine years of experience and they can be walked around, coded in circles by someone who's been done five years. So now those people should technically earn the same. In fact, the, the guy with five years experience should earn more than the one with eight years experience. Um, but look, yeah, that, that's how we got to our sort of conclusion of you can't use years you have to use quality okay so now you start to unpack oh, well how do you define quality of experience because if you're not going to just use quantity alone you can use quality okay so what defines high quality experience okay now that's a whole other challenge but maybe that's for another Another yeah, podcast. absolutely. But um, it's, it's how to measure. Yeah. That's the that's the that's a big one. I think that's definitely a separate podcast for sure. Um, 
Salary is also just a small part of most people's enjoyment of work. Is yeah. Yeah. yes, salary is important, and um, you need to feed yourself. And and I mean, um, work is the price we pay for money. But it's often when people leave companies, it's not because of salary. It's because of no. things that's gone wrong and things that are out of their control, and and they're not feeling like they they get sort of what they put in. So it's it's um. I, th- I think um, salary is what we need to do because we're a consultancy. We kind of need to think about money, but it's probably one of the worst type of things to measure people's happiness and measure people's engagement in the company is salary. Is is that is sure. it's important, but it's it's not really the thing that makes people stay or makes people feel motivated towards the company. Mm-hmm. I think that's also uh, it, it depends on on kind of your stage of, of where you are at in life. Yeah. I think as a younger person. Um, salary is a little bit more important because I'm now taking, a, I'm now at a point where I'm trying to start my life. It's a bit more important than buying a house, thinking about marriage, thinking about kids. All of those sort of things are a lot more important at the moment personally. And so salary does impact somebody that's maybe in the younger generation. If you're working in a company that's severely underpaying you, that can have quite a negative effect on your personal life. And that negative effect on your personal life actually then takes a negative effect in your work life. In your quality of code and, and those sort of things so, so i think I was, it, it just depends of, of where you are in life i was going to say that this is a perfect example of my myself and jonathan in that um uh, i kind of uh, pointed jonathan in the direction of hey because we were chatting and we're you know we, we started out together and we were both a year and a half in and um you know based on pure basic metrics we, we we both are are pretty smart so a year and a half in there cannot be that much of a difference in us yet i was hey, earning... hey, hey, hey. don't speak yourself up there <laughs> no i'm saying that there, <laughs> i'm saying there wasn't a difference um but but then his salary was nearly half of what i was getting at the time and i said dude that's 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 not right um and you know i, I showed him all the documentation on uh, standards like office yeah. and a lot of posts and all of that type of stuff on what the the current trends are in different cities and that finally persuaded him to be like oh wait so maybe i am um i am i am actually getting underpaid yeah. under um, undervalued yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and you have to accept the fact that people are smart right? we work in an industry of smart people and if you're going to underpay your staff that is a very short-sighted approach because they're going to know like people know how to do a pay scale search like <laughs> yeah and we have friends. this thing and they can talk exactly mm-hmm. yeah um so that's it's a strategy it's a bad one but it, it it it's useless ultimately look and i mean the inverse of that and that again jonathan and i know people that that have this of they are getting overpaid like you mentioned guy they're being not even promoted they are just getting way too much money for what they currently uh their capabilities are and that then limits them if they want to move. I think the colloquial term is golden handcuffs. That's right. Is that now they go and say match the salary and they're like, what, you're a junior, but you're asking for a high level intermediate salary or something. Um, and I think that's a big thing as well, where companies, you know, they're, it's very difficult to find a company in the middle where they'll pay you what they believe you deserve and you're happy with that. Other companies will pay you less and other companies will pay you way more, which doesn't help you unless you stay there for the rest yeah. of your life. And a lot of the time, that's the strategy of the business to golden handcuff people, right? So you need to, you need to, and it's difficult because it usually happens with younger people that don't quite understand what's going on. Yeah. Right? 
So it's it's very like it's a very scaly world out there. Is the gen is probably the idea you need to keep in mind in in any job that you if you work for, and I mean you got to be so careful because if you, you it's great you work for it you get a good salary it's fantastic but there's a reason why you're earning so much and it, and 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 you got to ask yourself is it because of my capability and if you're a young person and you've and you haven't had much work experience the answer to that is probably no right if you're getting paid a hell of a lot of money and you're getting a whole lot of benefits and you're pretty young and you haven't had much work experience then you got then you got to start asking questions like okay well why why am I being paid? Genius. It's probably not the case. It's probably because we're kind of fortunate, I suppose, in a consulting game that every every month or every new client, you get a you get a litmus test check that yeah. the individual that you're providing the client is of the value that the client prefers. Right. So if 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 a client's willing to pay a senior rate for that individual, then most likely they're a senior, right? Because you might get lucky with one client that's a little bit naive or maybe doesn't quite appreciate what you're doing. But in our, in our game, where we augment and we're, we're part of teams, you you'll uh, it's a it's a generally a good confirmation, right? Yeah, but in another business model, you're working for some gambling casino firm. There isn't a direct correlation between the cost center and the revenue center. So what they're making money on and what they're paying their staff on, on as linked as they are in our world. So you can end up in a place where somebody just promotes out of favoritism and also where the managers have got more control over budgets and like they're they're promoting people out of fear of losing them. And it's they, they might be good at that one particular thing, right? Because they don't need to be a consultancy that works on project A and then project B and then project C. They just need to be good at that gambling system and looking after that back end. And maybe that's all they need to know. Then sure, that person leaving is going to be a right pain in the ass. So it might be worth just giving them what they want and giving them that 20% increase. Or, and then, yeah, they get promoted and they get increased into golden handcuff territory. Um, and it's a shame because they'll never be able to work anywhere else because no one will see that value in that obscure skill set. So I think it's always, hey, if you have the opportunity to earn high, like go for it. But I, I would always just, you know, sense check that on you. Are your skills transferable? Because maybe you don't want to be in that job next year. Then, yeah, you don't want to have to take a 30% pay cut just to move jobs, you know? But yeah, it's often the, it's often the younger. Um, but yeah, Rian's right. Like I, it's something that, um, I can't remember one of the one of the uh, Simon Sinek books, which eludes this fact that st- uh, talented, ambitious staff can go anywhere, do anything, and even even on a South African passport, you could work probably in any city because software professionals are now like on skills shortage list in like every country in the world. So it's there is a, it's not like the old days that like. Okay, you hired the person. Now they're inside the this you know prison cell, and they're inside this cage. Now increase the barrier and handcuff them so that they can't leave. Or oh, well, now they now you've got servitude. It's more like no, it's an open pasture, and you just happen to have some some some. Uh, uh, they just happen to be you know, they happen to be grazing on your area, but there is no perimeter. There is no. It pretend obviously there is a you know. You, 
you aim to create an intangible perimeter through company culture and through salary and through all kinds of stuff. But you, in reality, there is no permanent, um, there, yeah, it's a semi-permeable membrane, right? So you, anybody can leave at any point. When you realize that, you go, okay, well, what, what would, what's making the animal stay on this pasture and just, uh, yeah, and it's not necessarily money. Yeah, Rian's right. It's not necessarily money. It's a combination. For some, it's money. For others, it's purpose. For other, it's uh, working with smart people. And I may take a thirty percent pay cut just to work with smart people because they they just can't work with idiots anymore. Right? But yeah, if you, if you kind of think of promotion and salary and progression in terms of a camp of uh, in a complete free market, it does change the it does change the way you think about people. I'm interested on a very side note that can tie in. Do you guys have any very weird or odd stories about uh, progression, either from what you've seen at other companies or uh, stuff that's happened with us or something like that? Because I have one, but I want to see if anybody else has a crazy story. Uh, I might, but Joe, you go first, Kevin. Um, so I... Uh, I saw not at this company, obviously, um, but I, <laughs> I, uh, a a person slept with the managing director to 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 get uh, to get an increase. Wow! And I mean, you hear that you hear that that happens, but you don't actually think it. Like really I was does. like, there's no way, there's no way this can be, this can be real. But it was like they um. The, I remember the timing of it was also that the the new uh, it was 2016. So the new MacBooks came out. Um, they'd done like a complete overhaul on the like the design and all of that stuff. And then we were all like, oh yeah, we, we we should get these MacBooks, and no one got them. And then that person the next day <laughs> had the new MacBook, and I was like, you're, you're kidding me. <laughs> Look, it's a legitimate strategy. I think it's taking head off. It's playing the game, man. <laughs> He's yeah, able yeah. to succeed in that way. It's progression. Yeah. 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 Non-linear progression. <laughs> what are you trying to say, guy? <laughs> look, if the cards are, if, if the cards are on the table, I, I, look, I'll, I'll play them. So... <laughs> just, just, I, just I think it's it fun there. to cut this one, then. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. All right. Well, we can. I think we've gone for probably a bit over an hour now. So it's probably a good time for us to, to call it. Hopefully the next one, we want to go into a bit more detail about how we do it, right? And and and, and I'd want to encourage you guys. I'll try and keep the similar group, maybe one or two additionals to kind of come in and, and, and let's talk about it in, in, in the terms, in the shape that Hayfully does it. And what we see is good, what we see is bad, what we see is ugly and what you would want to change like uh, in the similar model. Yeah, that'll be cool. Nice. Cool. Thanks, right, everyone. Cool. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Thank we'll you. Catch up again Thanks, maybe guys. next week. Yes. Cheers, guys. See you then. Bye.